I'm Billy Liggett. I'm Sarah Harden. And this rhymes with orange. And we're back for the second semester of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Rhymes with Orange. Our first guest for the semester is Dr. Jennifer Bunn. She is the Associate Professor and Director of Research for the Doctor of Physical Therapy program here at Campbell. And um, we should have hit record before we started this because we just spent 30 minutes talking about our hometowns in Texas, but maybe we'll get to that later. Uh, Dr. Bunn, welcome to our show. Our first question that we ask of everybody here is, what brought you to Campbell University? Uh, Well, first, thank you very much for having me. Uh, What brought me to Campbell was uh, my husband's job. We were already moving to North Carolina, and it was unfortunate that it was the winter-spring of 2010, and there was a big, giant recession going on during that time. (laughs) Uh, That was not a very opportune time to be looking for a job, especially in academia, where there were a lot of hiring freezes. Right. Uh, But I was very fortunate that I did a 60-mile radius search of Raleigh, North Carolina for academic jobs in my area, and Campbell was the only one that hit, and here I am. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a really great stay since then. So, so thanks to Google Maps or, or whatever. Yes, <laughs> thank you to Google Maps. Had you heard of Campbell before you got here? I actually had heard of Campbell's uh, beforehand, and that, okay, I can't believe I'm going to say this story over the air, <laughs> okay. but it would be silly if I didn't. I love stories that start, I can't believe I'm going to say so this story. The first time I heard of Campbell University, my husband was the volleyball coach at the University of North Florida, and Campbell and UNF were in the same conference, and I was in his office, and he had Campbell's uh, website for the athletics up in his office, and it said, gocamels.com, really big, across the top. I was across the office, and my vision is fairly miserable. I cannot see far at all. And I thought it said, (laughs) Kokamels? And I I go, who are the (laughs) Kokamels? And so then, a few years later, ironically, I have this And here you are, yeah. (laughs) Working for the Kokomos. (laughs) Well, tell us what you do for the physical therapy program here. I understand, as with a lot of our health science programs here, it's still, I wouldn't say it's in its infancy stages. It's been around for a few years now, but it's still fairly new, and it's still growing and finding its place in the world. Um, I understand the physical therapy profession is, is growing leaps and bounds as well. Um, tell us what you do with the program here and uh, your, your thoughts of being at Campbell so far. So the PT program is fairly new. We've graduated two classes so far, so you know, just around 75 or 80 students. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be around the program since before we even had students. So I got to be part of curriculum development And uh, the program director for the PT school is also a fellow Texan, and he was a kinesiology major as well. And so he and I hit it off really well uh, from the beginning. And at the onset of when we started taking students, I taught their health and wellness course, and I was the lead uh, instructor on their exercise physiology course. And then when I made the transition over to the Department of Physical Therapy full-time, I now teach their research methods course and their exercise physiology course. Uh, I am kind of the lead of making sure the students understand what it means to be a good evidence-based practitioner as a physical therapist. All right. So the the physical therapy program is in the new nursing building. I understand that whole campus, um, there's a lot of new in the campus over there. Uh, Tell us about 
the atmosphere working on a on a health sciences campus where everything's still relatively new and you've got doctors across the way you're working in the same building with PAs and nurses um, I we don't see that atmosphere being on the main campus a lot so tell us a little bit about the the atmosphere over there so it's pretty interesting the way they set up the Smith Hall is that there's faculty from each of the programs on each floor, and it's to promote interprofessional collegiality, and I think it does do that some of the time. It also uh, forces us to actually get up out of our chair from time to time and go to, I don't know, a different floor to talk to a colleague in our own department, which I think is a good thing, especially since so many people in the health sciences over there are really trying to be mindful of, you know, actually doing collegial work and getting up and moving periodically rather than finding themselves seated or standing at their desk for hours on end. Well, they they push for interprofessional education here more so than I see some at some other places. And and uh, in the stories that I've done on the medical school and on the PA school, um, uh, it's always brought up. And so how, uh, I guess, does the curriculum force some of the PT students to work closely with doctor, future doctors, work closely with future nurses? Uh, how does that work? We have an Office of Interprofessional Education, and they host various events throughout the semesters, and students are required to attend some of them, all of them. I can't remember the exact details, but uh, the events are usually put on by faculty themselves. So uh, we have some big events coming up in the next couple of months where they are activity days. And so the whole idea is to be hands-on with other healthcare professional students. And so another uh, physical therapist and I actually put together our activity day for exercise and to talk about how exercise can promote health and um, prevent, you know, cause of disease and actually help uh, with rehabilitation of various chronic diseases too. And I, I want to talk a little bit more, more about that, but um, it kind of falls into what your title is, which is Director of Research. And that's exciting to me because Campbell University, and I can say this because I love Campbell, but it's not really known as a research university, and I think it wants to become more of that. So uh, how important is research to your to your department and to the other health sciences departments? The big push right now is to create evidence-based practitioners, and so that typically means you know, clinicians who are consuming research to make good clinical decisions about their patients. And so, one, it's consumption of the information and proper um, analyses and critique of it so that you can make good decisions for your patient. Uh, I also believe that we should be creating that research. And, you know, we don't have a large focus on it here at Campbell, but part of my job is to help our PT faculty, who are primary clinicians, um, or were before their previous life, <laughs> you know, or in their previous life before they came into academia, um, they don't necessarily have a ton of research experience. They they know a lot about it and they have wonderful ideas. My role is to help bring those ideas into actuality for them. Uh, and so it, it's a really good time to be able to see, you know, what my area of expertise is within exercise physiology meet up with that of physical therapy and rehab and chronic disease that they have, too. And then we kind of roll some student experiences in with that. And it tends to kind of flow pretty well. 
how do you go about deciding what your next research project's going to be? Sometimes fate decides for you. And <laughs> I was going to say, probably a lot of accident. Uh, and, and sometimes it's just based off of pure passion. So um, I, I have a colleague that I've worked with since I, even before I got the job at Campbell. Um, he used to be at Meredith College. Now he works for um, a company out of Raleigh. They actually make um, technology for your fitness, various fitness wearables. So that little blinky light on the back of your Fitbit or whatever it is, they make the heart rate-based technology to measure heart rate via light. And so um, he and I have been great colleagues for you know almost eight years now, and he has thrown some research my way, so to speak. Uh, and I love being able to quantify daily life information. And so getting data through those fitness wearables has been really interesting for me. Well, can you talk a little bit about that research with the wearables? What what did you discover when you were doing that research? We discovered things that you're probably not going to like. Um, so I've done Which a few... Which is perfect for this, <laughs> for this interview. <laughs> I, I've, I've done a few studies with wearables, um, mostly just starting off with, you know, are the steps being counted by wearables, are they actually accurate in a very controlled setting? And so the Consumer uh, Technology Association, the CTA, just released a uh, protocol or a set of standards for how to measure these steps properly. And we just tested eight devices uh, just this summer for that CTA protocol, and it found out that your Fitbit stinks. (laughs) (laughs) um, It... I grossly <laughs> underestimated steps, and almost all of them, if they're going to you know, count poorly in some form or fashion in a controlled setting like on a treadmill in a lab, they almost always, always, always underestimate. And so Fitbit is pretty egregious in their underestimation. Um, Skosh uh, has a GPS-based watch that didn't test very well uh, with walking, Tom Tom has another GPS based watch that didn't test very well. And I can't remember if it was the walking or the running scenario. But um, so, why is that important? Because to me, the idea of them is to just get people out moving. Um, Does it matter that they're counting 7,000 steps as opposed to 8,000 steps? So, if you're just thinking about it from the behavioral perspective. And I know I went low based on my own personal experience. <laughs> no. Actually, the newest round of data shows that um, it's not 10,000 steps a day that you actually need. That's really high. Um, okay. The recommendation is somewhere around 7,500. Okay. Um, Good. So, yeah, every, everybody can pump the brakes on 10,000 a yeah. day. Um, but I, when you're talking from a behavioral standpoint, then no, it, it doesn't actually matter. Right. But if you're doing things like step bet or if you're, you know, maybe trying to actually collect information about how what your caloric expenditure is based upon then how much food you should be eating, all that good stuff, then those data being wrong yeah. can really affect, you know, achieving your goals. The devices now, uh, you're talking about Fitbit, which I know has, they have wearables that also do your heart rate and, um, I don't know, maybe the quality of the air you breathe. I don't know how far, <laughs> how deep they go, but uh, they're, they're becoming more and more intelligent, I guess. Uh, what's, what have you seen some of the crazy additions to these wearables that they're measuring now? So the big buzzword right now is related to like fatigue or readiness or recovery. 
And I think some of these wearables are writing checks that they just can't cash. They are making claims that the data isn't able to back up just yet. So, you know, because we've got poor accelerometer data, so poor data coming from the steps, which steps aren't a good parameter anyway. Um, there's better parameters out there. Right. But the caloric expenditure they're utilizing for this fatigue recovery, whatever score, the sleep information they're utilizing for that too. And truth of the matter is that their caloric expenditure, their sleep, all of that isn't research grade information. It is barely consumer grade information. So when I talked about, you know, Fitbit not measuring steps very well, when I say that, I mean, it has a 10, more than a 10% absolute error. So that's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're talking just 10, you know, those 10,000 steps a day, it's going to underestimate your steps by a thousand steps. Right. And when I used to wear Fitbit, my goal was 12,000 steps a day. Well, Crud! How many steps was I usually doing? Right. <laughs> was I, was I really getting fourteen thousand? Was it because is it just because it's it's just measuring your arm and not it, what is it missing? I guess. So that's a good question. More data and better standards, better protocols need to be created for free living conditions because the CTA standard only covers a lab based condition on a treadmill. Well, I don't know how you spend your day. Not, not doing. Uh, not. I'm waving my arms here. Not doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Not exactly on a treadmill, doing you know perfect linear walking at a perfect speed. Right. Um, so a free living condition would you know, or a way to really evaluate those accelerometers, those wearables in free living conditions would be good. Well, I know you started a program here at Campbell called Exercise Is Medicine. Can you tell us a little bit about that, why you started the program, and what the goal is? So the Exercises Medicine Initiative actually comes down from the American College of Sports Medicine. It's a worldwide, global initiative that was created by Dr. Bob Salas. And it's got a couple of different methods that it goes about. The whole idea is to get people out there moving as a method for chronic disease prevention. So, you know, things like type 2 diabetes, cancer, uh, metabolic syndrome, you know, obesity, all those things. Okay. So preventive measure, but also as a measure of, you know, reducing the risk or, you know, reducing the impact if you already have the disease. So let's say somebody is obese and they are pre-diabetic and they have hypertension. Okay, so they are going to be on probably at least two medications uh, treating that prediabetes and that hypertension. Well, if they also employed an exercise intervention and started moving a little bit more, then they could probably get off eventually some of those medications. And so exercise as medicine was born. So they have kind of a three-pronged approach available for um, physicians and for community members and for personal trainers or whoever it is out there training individuals. And then the on-campus side of things was created a few years ago. We got on board in 2016, and the whole idea is just promoting exercise in general. And, you know, there's some really, really disturbing statistics about, you know, the youth coming into college, you know, not just necessarily around weight or chronic disease, but also that of depression and anxiety, fear, fear of failure. And exercise has really good evidence to support that it's going to help with all of these things and success in each class, success 
each year, success in college and achieving those goals. So um, that's kind of what we're trying to put out there and provide any assistance and organize activities to, you know, get people moving and learning a little bit more about how they can exercise. College students don't really have an excuse either. They have oh, a they lot of free do. time. <laughs> they have a lot of free time. They have all the facilities free to them. And uh, they have youth. Yes. So, <laughs> youth is an important part of all this. So there's no excuse. They are going to argue with you <laughs> about it. I promise. <laughs> well, I know we just have a few more minutes. And I've decided that I do want to bring this up because we were talking about it before. But you are a Texan. And I'm finding there's a lot of Campbell University people. Our president here, Jay Bradley Creed, is from Texas. He actually uh, went to Baylor, as as, as did you. Um, Sick and bears. Yeah. Um, you were an undergrad at Nickel State, and then you got uh, um, you went on to Kentucky, and then you got your doctorate at Baylor. Am I correct? Yes. Um, but you are from Texas. Uh, you're from Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I was just there last week before this cold front hit us that just took away my humanity, my will to live. But um, what... Uh, so I'm going to ask you this, because most Texans, like myself, you don't think you're ever going to leave Texas, but then you do. <laughs> so um, do you miss it? or? <laughs> Absolutely, I miss yeah. it. I am a really obnoxious Texan <laughs> through and through. Right. I have... Barbecue here stinks. I, and... <laughs> yeah, and the Mexican food. Don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I have jewelry that depicts Texas. I have Texas earrings. I have the Texas State seal I usually have on a necklace. Like, I, I'm obnoxious about Cowboys it. Cowboys fan? Absolutely, I'm yes. a Cowboys fan. I'm um, sorry, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tough year. Um, and my husband's from Texas as well. So, okay. um, like, our stockings at home at Christmas time. He's from San Antonio. He has a San Antonio Spurs stocking. I have a Dallas Mavs stocking. No, it is, no, it's a good time to be a Mavs fan. They're, it is they're not doing, a good time to be no, a Dennis Mavs. Smith. He's <laughs> NC State. He's, uh, he's going to lead, lead us to the promised land. You watch. I'm sorry, I keep going. <laughs> waiting with bated breath. Um, but, I mean, yes, of course I miss Texas. Yeah. Uh, the music, the food. Well, it leads into the next question, though, because um, my wife and I, we miss Texas and Louisiana, but we've also planted roots here in North Carolina with, with children, and, and uh, we've been here 10 years now. And um, North Carolina has a lot going for it. Absolutely. And the weather, the beach, the mountain, I mean, everything that... A North Carolinian says is a reason to come here. I find it's it's a pretty good reason. So, how have you liked North Carolina so far? It's been great. Um, we live up closer to the Raleigh area. Uh, we're very fortunate that Raleigh has a really good music scene, live music scene. I mean, it's not Austin. It's tough to you know match that right. of what happens in Austin, Texas. Right. Um, but you know, we are really big Texas country fans. So there's bands that we listen to you just wouldn't normally hear on the radio and they will come through the triangle area, you know, fairly frequently. The foodie scene is really fun in Raleigh and, you know, we're both very, very active people. And so the fact that I'm not the only person exercising yesterday morning when it was 20 degrees was awesome. There were other people (laughs) suffering with me. So, you know, we always joke that the worst thing about Raleigh is that it's just not in Texas. Right, and that's, if, that's if that's if that's all that's bad, then it's, like it's Austin. pretty awesome. <laughs> I, it, I think Asheville may be closer to Austin, but Raleigh has some Austin elements. Absolutely, to it the, it's a scaled down version. It is, yeah. Well, we are excited to have you here. It sounds like um, the the program is very lucky to have you here. So we really appreciate you helping us kick off the spring 
if you can call this spring, <laughs> with uh, with our first podcast. So thank you very much, Dr. Jennifer Bunn, for, for being on our show and uh, continued luck. Thank you very much for having me. They jumped into his pickup, Sonny jammed her down in gear. Sonny looked at Sherry, said, let's get on out of here. The stars were high above them, the moon was in the east. The sun was setting on them when they reached Miami Beach. They got a hotel by the water and a port of Bombay gin. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Well, welcome back. Once again, thank you very much to Dr. Jennifer Bunn, who, uh, um, before she left here, I said, uh, Dr. Bunn, I would like to write more about your Fitbit research. And so I got an extra story out of this. So <laughs> um, be looking for that possibly in your next edition of Campbell Magazine. And uh, um, once again, another good reason to do this show. Uh, you probably noticed something a little bit different about this show when we started. Uh Leah Witt, who started Rhymes of the Orange with me back in September, is no longer with us. And it's not because we fired her from the show. She did an excellent job on this podcast and is a huge reason why we're still doing it. But um, fortunately for Leah, uh, she got another job. She is now working at North Carolina State University. And I know it was very bittersweet for her since she is a Campbell graduate who had spent her whole working career here at Campbell. But it's exciting for her also to go on to new things. And uh, we are very excited for our colleague, Leah Witt Jarvis. And uh, um, best of luck to her. Filling in for her is Sarah Hardin, who is our director of marketing here at Campbell and was with us the whole first semester. She just didn't talk as much, and uh, she's going to talk a little bit more with us uh, today. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm going to talk slightly. (laughs) Slightly. So um, this is the first show of the spring semester, and um, all of you are coming back after what can only be described as a week of winter hell because this was terrible. This was the coldest stretch of weather in North Carolina, upper North Carolina or Raleigh area in, I guess, 100 years. And one of the stats I saw was on January the 3rd, it was the coldest day here since 1887, which just so happened to be two days before um, J.A. Campbell founded Bowie's Creek Academy and started his first class. So that gives you an idea when people write that that the founder of this university started the school on a bitter cold morning. Think back to how you felt last week, and that's what it felt like 131 years ago. So, Sarah, you are a native North Carolinian. Um, is this any? Is this was this weather like anything you had experienced before for that length of time? No. Um, typically, our snow outings last about two days, and then it's all melted. Yeah, and one half of that day and is the melting process. And half <laughs> of that day is the melting process. So, no, we're not used to these cold temperatures, but they come in spurts. Well, Campbell didn't get as much as we did. You live in Moore County. I live in Lee County. Uh, we couldn't even make it to work last Friday as everybody else was returning because we were— um, I think Bowie's Creek was hit with maybe trace to like a half an inch of snow. Um, my house had at least five inches of snow, and it's still there's still at least two inches of powder in my front yard right now. Is it, was that kind of what you experienced as well? Yeah, we got six inches in Moore County. So, and then we were t- we had to tell 
our boss that we weren't coming in Friday and they were looking around campus at everything already kind of melting away. So um, I hope they believe us. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> We've got, uh, um, we, we finally went over freezing today. And so it looks like we're going to be up to 66 by the end of the week. So it's going to be better. And uh, I hope we don't get another stretch like that. It was so cold that my floors, I have wood floors, my floors were cold. Like, I would take off my slippers and our house would be comfortable, but we must have terrible insulation under our house because my feet were freezing and I would have to go put my slippers back on. It was just, it was miserable. And um, we mentioned Texas to Dr. Bunn earlier here. Somebody who comes from Texas who doesn't see a lot of that, this was not the reason I came to North Carolina. Um, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but as the saying goes, if you don't like the weather, just wait a week. And that is true in this or case. Or maybe even an hour most in most cases. That is true in this Carolina. case. Um, so just so just so you know, uh, we are in the process of uh, figuring out the future of this show. It could be Sarah Harden for the future. It could be whoever comes in to replace uh, Leah and her position here. Or it could be somebody totally different. But uh, um, we're still glad that you listen. I know... From our first semester, we did 12 shows, and our audience kept going up and average users per episode over that 12-show span. So I hope people are enjoying this. Um, the whole reason for Rhymes of the Orange is to talk about the people that make Campbell a great place to go to school, a great place to work, great place to live. Um, we talked to students. We talked to alumni. We talked to faculty and staff, and uh, um, hopefully – by sharing those stories, people will get a better sense of just everything. Uh, we, we've had people from other states. Um, rarely do we have anybody who's on this show that actually grew up around here or is from North Carolina. It seems like everybody we have has come in from another state. So it's really been interesting hearing those stories, and uh, we hope to keep doing that. I know Leah, on her way out, said, if you do one thing, guys, I want you to keep the show going. So, Leah, this is for you. We're going to keep the show going, and... Uh, Here's to the rest of the semester. Sarah, um, thank you for, for filling in. I'll do my best. All right. Rhymes of the Orange is a product of Campbell University's Office of Communications and Marketing. Vice President of Advancement is Dr. Britt Davis, and Assistant Vice President for Communications and Marketing is Haven Hoddle. Rhymes of the Orange is co-produced by our co-host today, Sarah Harden, and she is the Director of Marketing. Uh, Director of Visual Identity is Jonathan Bronsink. He made the logo that you see on this podcast when you go online. And Director of Web Design is Nikki Zaywall, and she makes putting this on our website possible. Um, I'm Billy Liggett, and again, I'm joined by Sarah Harden, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Go Camels! Go Camels!